have uh, Kevin Williams with us from Manchester, England. Um, grateful to the Lord for bringing our paths to cross, and we look forward to what he has in the future. And uh, we're grateful to have the opportunity to hear him share the gospel with us again. So, brother, come. Good evening. We open our Bibles to Luke and chapter 19, please. It's been a wonderful blessing for me to just spend this time with you all here. It's been such an encouragement and especially to see such so many young godly brothers and sisters who have such a love for souls and yeah it's, it's, it's really um, been there to me so I'm going to read from verse 1 through to verse 10 of Luke 19 and Jesus entered and passed through Jericho And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was of little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is was lost. Let's pray. Oh, Father, as you say there, Lord, you came to seek and to save that which was lost, Father. Oh, Lord, we pray for anyone who doesn't know you here now, Father, that you would speak to them through this word. That they would hear you saying, make haste, come down. Father, oh, Hosanna, Lord, save now. Amen. Okay, in in verse 1 here, it says, and Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now, to give you a bit of the context and the background of what's going on here, if you... If you realize that Jesus has been doing miracle after miracle, he's fed 5,000, 4,000, he's walked on water, he's healing the blind. In fact, on his way into this city, he's just healed 
um, the certain blind man we see in verse 35 on the way into the city. So all sorts of reports are going about that Jesus is the healer. Now, can you imagine all these people with all these diseases? I mean, people follow false healers today. But can you imagine Jesus is really healing? So can you imagine people, the press and the people coming after Jesus there? And not only that, they're thinking, is this guy the Messiah? Is this man, Jesus, is he the promised Messiah that they're awaiting? So I think a, a good illustration of what this is like. I heard a story of um, once years ago, Paul Washer said he was preaching in Peru. And he said he was preaching to about 1,500 Peruvians. And in the middle of when he was preaching, he let slip that he had a doctor with him. Now, this doctor, there was nothing he could do. He had no medication. He had no tools. The water in the area was like sewerage. And, but these people were so ill and in desperate need of a doctor that once he let slip that this, the guy with him was a doctor, he said these people were like animals just stampeding all over each other trying to get to the doctor. And I think that is a good idea of what it was like with Jesus here with the press. This is just thousands, multitudes of people pressing round Jesus Christ there trying to get to him des in desperation. And in verse 2 says, and behold, when the Bible says behold, it's always good to underline that word. What is, the, what is Luke trying to show us here? He's saying, hold on to this. He's saying, hold this thought. The Holy Spirit, writing through Luke here, is trying to show us something in this passage. And he says, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was the chief among the publicans, the tax collectors, and he was rich. Now, back in those days, people didn't like tax collectors. And <laughs> now, they, they was immoral, and this guy was the chief tax collector. He was like in Congress. And this, and this guy, you see, there was a moral. They had all sorts of powers from the Romans, and they would abuse them to take riches, to steal off people. The people were at these guys' mercies. But basically, if they couldn't pay the tax, they could just decide what was worth paying, whether it was some of their animals, some of the land. And these guys were at their mercy. So these was despised, and there was also seen as... Collaborators with the Romans. So these were serious, immoral people. And this guy, Zacchaeus here, he realizes he is immoral. He realizes he's a sinner. And man is built with this just guilt of sin. He knows he's got a judgment before God coming. You see, that's why all false religions everywhere, that's why you have... You know, Muslims making trips to Mecca. You have Roman Catholics taking mass every single day of the week. I don't know if they do that where here, but that's what they do where we live. Because they're, they're, they're trying to pay off the sin. But the more they do it by their own foolish works, the more, the more guilty they feel. E even atheists are trying to suppress the truth of God. You know, they've got their conscience pricking them, saying there's a judgment coming and I'm guilty. So they're trying to suppress the truth of God. 
I mean, that's why when you witness to an atheist sometimes, we have people in our family who will say, take this track, take this CD, could we just speak to you? And they don't want to listen. But, but if there's a program on TV, a documentary attacking Christianity, they're canceling the nights out and setting the video recorders for it. Now, there's something wrong there if, it's, if they really were atheists. But you see, man has this idea, he knows he is wrong. There is something in his conscience which tells him he is guilty before God. And this was like, for my life, personally, for many years of my life, I mean, it was about my mid-twenties, I because I professed to be an atheist at one time, and about my mid-twenties, I started asking those questions. Why are we here? What happens when this life is over? And I remember I looked at Buddhism for a while. I wanted to become anything but a Christian. And, but it, it was just like ludicrous if you look into that. And, and I, I picked up the Bible and I started reading it as a history book. There was always something in there that drew me. And over time, I started looking more into it and more into it. I started going to a, a church, not a good church. The gospel was never preached. And, and any truth that was preached there, it was just surrounded by hypocrisy. So it was just filtered through the lens of that. And for six years of my life, I thought I was a Christian. But I was not. God was always a distant deity to me. He was always... I didn't really know him. I thought I did. You know, I had cliches like, you know, you have a relationship with Jesus. But my life was just surrounded with sin. And one day, this is how I personally got saved. This is how the first time I realized that God was holy. Is I was sat in the garden and I was listening to a sermon on the internet. I wasn't getting the messages of, of how to get saved in the church I was in. So I started seeking elsewhere. And I, I heard the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount say, You have heard that it was said of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you look at a woman to lust for her, then you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. Now the context there is, is marriage. It's not saying it's a sin for a man to lust after his wife and vice versa. But he is clearly saying there, if you read on, he says, you know, pluck out your, your, your right eye or your whole body would be cast into hell. But he is saying there that lusting after people you're not married to is a sin that will, if unrepented of, will take people to hell. Now, I'd heard that scripture so many times. And I, I, I remember discussing it with my wife a, a few weeks before. And I says, well, surely it doesn't mean what it says. You know, everybody does that. But you see, that day was different. For the first time in my life, I realized that God was a holy God who I could no longer mock. I could no longer play games with. And you see, and I was so grateful because, I mean, I thought God could have killed me a week ago or a year ago and put me into hell. And he would have been just in doing so. But he had mercy on me for so long when I was professing Christianity, whilst at the same time I was continuing sin. I mean, this guy, Zacchaeus here, I presume, is, ethnic, is an ethnically born Jew. So he's, he probably thought at one stage, you know, I've, I've been circumcised, so of course I'm going to heaven. But, it, but he always knew, he always knew there was something wrong. And then... It says in verse 3, and he sought to see Jesus 
who he was and could not for the press because he was of little stature. So Zacchaeus here is this little man. And if you imagine there's this enormous crowd in front of him, a thousand and Jesus is walking through this crowd and he's trying to see through this crowd to see who Jesus is. Now, let me ask you this. Did Zacchaeus, did he sort of jump up and catch the top of Jesus's head and say, and, and say, well, that's it. I found all there is to know about Jesus. Like so many today, you, you, we met them on campus. You know, I've, I've read the Bible. Yeah, yeah, of course you have. You know, what does it teach? Well, uh, oh, um, you know, <laughs> but, but, but you meet so many people like this. I mean, it's the foolishness of foolishness. The claims of this book, our eternity depends on it. You see, you can, the Discovery Channel and things like that, people can take a leave. It doesn't matter. But this book, you know, the claims of Jesus Christ, our eternities depend on. There is nothing more important than examining who Jesus is and coming to him. And then, and did Zacchaeus, when he saw all these people above him, did he say, well, actually, I can see my wife there in the crowd. You know, maybe I'll just, um, I'll just let her find out the religion. Like so many, you'll, they'll just send the, the wife to church and to seek the spiritual things. But then the husband will just pursue other things. You know, and just let his family perish. I mean, what sort of man is that? You know, there is nothing more, more important than seeking Jesus Christ. And also, did, did Zacchaeus say, when he saw this great crowd of people, did, did he look along and did he think, well, you know, there's um, a Sadducee and a, a Pharisee. You know, they're the religious experts. I'll, I, I don't need to get through to Jesus. I'll just um, I'll wait and find out what they say. Like so many who are not preferred to go and find Jesus themselves, but they'll hide behind false religion. They'll, they'll, they'll just trust in someone else's opinion of what Jesus says. You know, they'll, hi- they'll hide behind that. The Or the other one is people say, well, you know, there's so much hypocrisy. God can see the hypocrites. You know, he's going to judge them. But as Jesus said, unless you repent, you will perish with them. And also, did Zacchaeus say when he saw the great crowd of people, did he think, oh, there's an atheist in the crowd. Maybe, maybe I'll go and listen to him. Maybe he has some clever, prideful arguments I can listen to all day. But he didn't do that. I mean, many, many people do that. They'll argue... They'll hide behind pathetic objections of others rather than seek the person of Jesus Christ. You know, when you're sure in your faith, you should never get into this trap, which I got into for many years, um, which is a style of apologetics where you have to prove the Bible before you can, before you can share it. An example of this is someone is witnessing and the, the guy will say, well, I'm an atheist. I don't believe scripture. And so the Christian stops quoting it. You know, I mean, to give you an example of what this is like, you know, this is the high king, the judge of the universe. I mean, can you imagine in a human court, 
if there was the proceedings with her and the the guy was brought, brought before the courts and, the, and and he said, how do you plead? And he says, I don't believe in judges. You know, I, I don't believe in um, in law. Now, do you think the judge there would say, hold it, we'll have to stop the proceedings until we convince this guy that law and justice exists? Well, that's what many Christians do. You know, the word, the, the word of God is the sword of the spirit. You know, it's shot, you know. But many Christians, someone says, oh, I don't believe the Bible. So what do they do? They, they say, all oh, right, and put it away. Back into its sheath. <laughs> and nor was Zacchaeus saying, nor did he see this mass of people and think, well, uh, maybe if I, if I go through to Jesus Christ, if, and I, if I admit my need there, then, then what will people think of me? Because I'll have to admit these sinful things in my life, which I'm doing. You know, it says in Proverbs, if it, the one who conceals his sin will not prosper. But the one who confesses it and forsakes it, on him God will have mercy. You know, if you're struggling with something, because I, I meet people and quite a few times and they'll be hiding things, whether it's just... Thoughts of malice and hatred or, or po- pornography is a common one with professing Christian guys. And they'll, they'll conceal it for years and years without going to, for help to people. You know, pretending there isn't a problem. When the Bible says clearly, do not be deceived, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I would just plead with you, if that's you, it doesn't have to be those sins, it could be anything. But you have a some godly pastors here and some godly brothers who you can go to and you can ask them for help with, with your soul. But that's not what Zacchaeus did, is it? If we look in, in verse 4 here, it says, And he ran and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. Now notice it's not like in those Children's Bibles, where you have the picture of Zacchaeus hiding from Jesus, you know, peering out of the leaves there. That's not what he's doing. Yeah? He is making sure he gets to Jesus. He's running ahead here, past the crowd. He, he's not taking any chances with, it, with the eternity of his soul. He wants to get to Jesus Christ. And then in verse 5, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. Now, I just want to pause on these words here. He looked up. Jesus is looking up to Zacchaeus here. This is the God who made the universe. This is the God who measures the universe in the span of his hands. He upholds the universe. And the picture you see in the, the Old Testament, God looked down from heaven. Here we see God looked up to Zacchaeus. He humbled himself. You see, God, he was born of a woman. He became one of us. He became knowable like us. And he, he was born of a virgin and he lived that sinless life. He felt as we feel. 
You know, as, as Melissa sang, the God who made the oceans said, I thirst. He was tired like us. You know, he was tempted in all things, but yet without sin. That is how much he loved us, that he became one of us. And then he hung on a cross. Jesus went to the cross. Why? To pay for our sin. Because as John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. He so loves you that he died for you on a cross to pay for your sin. He became like you. So verse 5, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus. Now notice here, he knows Zacchaeus by name. And Jesus, he knows you by name. Now, isn't it amazing here? Zacchaeus, a moral background, is rebellion. He has lived, he, he's grown up a Jew, he knows all these laws, what he shouldn't do, and he's just lived in treason, in rebellion, he, he's grown up like with an effectively a Christian background in the church almost, and he's just lived in complete rebellion, and Jesus comes to him, he doesn't say, well, you, you've gone too far, you've just gone too far with you, with." You, Taking advantage of my mercy. He comes to him and he says, Zacchaeus. Christ came to die for the ungodly. He came to die for sinners. And he knows your name. And look at Jesus here. He says, well, first of all, look what he doesn't say. He doesn't say to Zacchaeus. He doesn't look up the tree and see him and say, well... Look at all this bad stuff you've done, Zacchaeus. You better clean up your life before you get down from that tree. In fact, you, you better, you know, d torture yourself on that tree for a, for a while before, before you can come down. Is that what he says? That's not what he says, is it? He doesn't stand there with con condemnation for him. He doesn't come to him. And say, well, maybe, maybe come down. You know, uh, maybe I died for you, maybe not. He says, come. You see, the message of the devil is always flee from Jesus. The message of Jesus Christ is always come. Come to him. Come down from that tree just as you are. And make haste. Come quickly. Don't delay in this. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Now is the accepted time. You may not have tomorrow. And come down, for, and look at this. For today, I must abide at thy house. I must. You see, Zacchaeus thought he was seeking Jesus there. And he was. But God was seeking him. And God is seeking people today. And look at this. I must abide in thy house. The God who made the universe comes to dine with us. He comes to live in our house, to live in our heart. I was reading in the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 4, the other day. 
He brought me into his banqueting house and his banner over me was love. You know, God brings us into his banqueting house to dine with him, to feast with him, to know him. And his banner over me was love. All his thoughts, once you come down to him, all his thoughts for you are love. I mean, I, I was going to, I was just swelling the other day on that text. And, and it's just so wonderful. I was actually thinking of preaching from it. But all you'd have got was a message of me just repeating that text saying, he brought me into his banqueting house and his banner over me was love. He brought me into his banqueting house. And it's just, you see, once you come to Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation to all those in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he's already been condemned in our place. And verse 6, and look at Zacchaeus' reaction. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. He wasn't waiting around. He wasn't being foolish here. He wanted to know his sins forgiven. He'd wasted enough of his life. And he wasn't going to waste any more of his life. You know, Jesus told the parable of the, of the king. What king, if he has an army of 10,000 and he sees another army of 20,000 coming from a great way off, what king wouldn't send an ambassador to go and meet him and agree terms of peace before the battle? You see, we can shake our fist at God all our lives. It's just foolishness. It's foolishness. We're not going to stand in the judgment against an almighty God. We can see one thing in God's word and do another. But again, that that is just foolishness. And, And especially so. When Jesus, he comes to us, he dies for us, and he offers us peace. He offers us to know him. And Zacchaeus, he wasn't waiting here. He made haste. He came down quickly and received him joyfully. And there is joy when your sins are forgiven. To know your sins are forgiven. And verse 7, I mean, look at this. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. Now, these are the self-righteous people looking on. These are the people who think they are good. And so they despise someone like Zacchaeus here being saved. You know, the Pharisees, they followed Jesus. But not in the way Jesus said when he said, follow me. He didn't mean in the way that they meant. They they followed him through the grain fields on the Sabbath. I mean, what was they doing walking there? Why? They followed him to find fault. And again, you, you can, you can, if you look at Jesus Christ determined to find faults, I'm sure you will do. Not that there is anyone, any genuine ones. But if you come to him, you can have salvation. You can receive him joyfully like Zacchaeus here. And Zacchaeus stood 
and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord. Now notice here, he's his Lord now. He's his master. There is a teaching today where you can have Jesus as your saviour, but not your Lord. And they say, well, at a later date, if you want more rewards in heaven, you, you, can, you can ask him to be your Lord as well. Now that is nonsense. If Jesus is not your Lord, then he's not your saviour either. We don't make Jesus Lord, God made him Lord. If we submit to Jesus as not Lord, then we have a wrong Jesus. Now, if he's your Lord, you do what he says. You know, no Lord is an oxymoron. It's like saying, meek, dispensationalist. <laughs> you see, but you do what, what he says if, if you want to come to him. You must give all of your life to him. You know, he gave all of his life to us. Is he not worth it? What is, what is the point of living life for ourselves without Jesus Christ? Absolutely nothing. And look at his repentance here. The, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. All things new to Zacchaeus here when he finds Jesus Christ. We see this great repentance here. Why is it today that, you see, when I became a Christian, I remember all my... Um, I had lots of copied music, things like that. That went. I had lots of immoral music and DVDs. That went. And, and notice there's two stages to Zacchaeus' repentance there. The half of my goods I give to the poor. Stage one, he realizes some at conversion. And then, if I have done anything, you know, he's gonna, when he says, he's gonna real, he realizes he'll realize some things in the future. And that, that is the case sometimes. But why is it? I remember when I was converted, had I'd basically frauded quite a, a bit of money, and I paid it all back. Now I, I was—I could have kept my mouth quiet, and no one would have known, except God and my conscience. But you see, why is it today that I see Christians or professing Christians with you know stealing music and, and DVDs and, and things like that? I mean, I, I heard. One guy who came to me and he said, um, he said, I've got a computer program which you can have. Uh, he said, it's copied, but it's okay because I copied it before I was converted. As if, as if stolen goods become sanctified at conversion. <laughs> but you see, when Jesus saves a person, he changes that person. And Zacchaeus, verse 8, and Zacchaeus stood and said unto, oh, sorry, verse 9, and Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. Notice, he saved her. Salvation this day came to his house. If you want salvation today, if you are without the Lord, you come to him. And you can become a true Jew. You can become a son of Abraham here. As Galatians 3 says, the children of faith are the children of Abraham. And Philippians 3.3, the circumcision of those who put no confidence in the flesh. 
You see, those who have confidence in the flesh, those who think they're good enough to get to heaven, like the Pharisees, will never come to Jesus Christ. But the Bible says, blessed is the one who is poor in spirit, the one who is spiritually bankrupt, the one who's, who has nothing to offer God. Like we sung there, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. We must come to him. And verse 10, for the Son of Man is come, is here. And why did he come? To seek, to find you, to save, to save you, that which is lost. If you're lost today, Jesus came to save you. Jesus died for you on a cross to pay for your sin. And he doesn't say, well, you know, wait for the Holy Spirit. He didn't come to this tree to Zacchaeus and say, well... Wait for the Holy Spirit to work in your life and then come down. No, he commands you to come down and to make haste and come to him. The, the gospel is a command to repent and believe. And anyone who comes to him, he will not refuse. If you want eternal life, Jesus says, come. He was without money. Come by and eat. He who has nothing to offer God. If you're self-righteous and think you deserve salvation, then this gospel has nothing to offer you. But if you have nothing, if you realize that you are an ungodly sinner, then Christ died for you and he commands you to come to him and have eternal life. And he will save everyone who comes to him. So let's pray. Father, oh Lord, I pray you'd reveal yourself. As you came, Lord, you say, ask anything according to your will and you will hear us, Father. And it is your will, Lord, to seek and save that which is lost, Father. We pray you'd he hear us now, Father. Oh Lord, that you would reveal yourself. To anyone who is in a tree. That you are there. That you want them to come down. And completely forgive them of all sins. And dine with them and love them. And wrap your arms around them. Amen. word come is um, to be a sinner alienated separated from God and then for him to say come Zacchaeus come down come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden I'll give you rest ho everyone that's thirsty come unto the waters the spirit and the bride say come it's just over and over uh, God inviting us and summoning us and commanding us to come. And whatever our need is tonight, we have that invitation. It's an amazing thing. Well, appreciate your prayers for those that are going to be traveling.